Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents part four of the series, Alien Invasion. Say it with me. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. It's all right to get excited in church. Hallelujah. I got excited with NC State whooped up on Florida State last night. That's my alma mater. I was hooting and hollering in my house. Hallelujah. Trish was out shopping, so I didn't bother her. But I was hooting and hollering. She came. She watched the last part of the game with me. Hallelujah. It was glorious. Praise the Lord. But you know what? If you can hoot and holler like that for your favorite team, can't you do the same for Jesus? Amen. Amen. It's just a game. I I love football. Listen, I'm a football fan, but I love my Jesus far more than I love my football. Amen. And I don't mind hollering for him whether I'm in private or public. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I believe it was John Wesley said, if you'll set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. (laughs) You know? I think it was a metaphor for setting yourself on fire for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we're going to talk about alien invasion again. This is part four. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Each week in this series, we have begun with a opening statement uh, to the residents of planet Earth. Amen? And my purpose for that was to couch a discussion of end times in science fiction and science fantasy terms to have a little bit of fun with it uh, because it can be a bit dry if you, uh, if you don't put something in there to get people's attention. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, so let's begin by rereading that statement. I'm just in a mood this morning. Y'all just roll with it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. I tell you, I had a great time with the Lord last night. I spent about an hour and a half just worshiping him, listened to some wonderful music, and I was just wandering the house, bumping into the cat, just (laughs) worshiping the Lord. The cat did not know what was going on. Praise the Lord. I just got caught up in the spirit and was singing to the Lord. He was speaking things to me. Listen, if you'll sing to him, he'll sing to you. Amen. Glory to God. So I'm kind of still high from last night. Glory to God. So let me begin by rereading the opening statement that we have read at the beginning of each installment of this series. There are aliens in our midst who have mingled with the population of the earth for thousands of years. They come from a world that is billions of light years from this planet, one that is more powerful and more technologically advanced than anything we could ever imagine here on Earth. They look like earthlings on the outside, but on the inside, they are very, very different from the residents of this world. After a prolonged period of waging warfare for the hearts and minds of the people of planet Earth, these aliens will be removed by their leader, and will be teleported to the capital city of their home planet. After a short celebration in their capital city, these aliens will assemble the greatest army 
that the universe has ever seen. Headed by their fearless and powerful leader, they will be teleported back to Earth, successfully invade this planet, conquer the armies of the Earth, and set up their own worldwide government, a government that will last for 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000 years, the alien leader will put down all remaining rebellion and will begin to fundamentally transform the nature of this planet. He will transport the capital of his world through a space-time portal across the vast expanse of the universe. I just love saying that. And And will make it the capital of this world forever. He will rule this planet from this capital and will radically change the environment of our world to make it perfectly suitable for his people and his way of life. Planet Earth will never, ever be the same. Residents of Earth, do not fear. I promise I will show you in your Bible why all of the things I have just told you will surely come to pass. Amen. So a little bit of a recap of the series, if you'll bear with me. So in this series, we have learned so far that those who call Jesus Lord are the aliens in this story. Amen. You are an alien. We've said it many times. Jesus put it this way. We are not of this world. Amen. If you would read with me in John chapter 17, verse 14 through 16 in the New King James Version, Jesus makes it abundantly clear. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We come from the heavenly or new Jerusalem, which is the capital of planet heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Even though you have an earthly body, your spirit, the man or woman on the inside, was birthed from planet heaven. Amen. Glory to God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 in the voice. I love the way this version puts this. But we are citizens of heaven, exiles on earth, waiting eagerly for a liberator, our Lord Jesus, the anointed, to come and transform these humble earthly bodies into the form of his glorious body by the same power that brings all things under his control. Amen. Let me get a big amen on that one. Amen. Amen. I'm glad I'm getting a new body. Amen. I want to see a superhuman version of myself. It's coming one day. Amen. Incorruptible. Hallelujah. Immortal. Hallelujah. A body just like the one that Jesus has. Amen. The Bible says he was the forerunner. The first of many brethren. Hallelujah. He paved the way so we could be like him one day. Amen. Listen, everything that Jesus paid for in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension has already been given to you except for that new body. That's the only thing you're lacking right now. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Glory to God. As I say many times, because I like to say, I I like to say it this way. There's a showroom in heaven with your new body in it. Amen. Like an action figure just waiting. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me loose on planet earth. Amen. Glory to God. 
Not only will we receive indestructible, immortal bodies, but we are the ones that will stage this alien invasion. Hallelujah. The one that we've been talking about. Jesus will lead us here and we will follow. So let's recap last week. Last week, we started filling in some of the end time gaps so we could put things in perspective and figure out where the alien invasion fits in the end times timeline. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, So one more time, where does the alien invasion in this next slide, where does that fit into the biblical timeline on the next slide? Well, I'm going to tell you, we all know about the first coming of Christ. Amen. And then what we call the church age, whether you realize it or not, you're in the church age. And if uh, we could put a you are here dot there, it would be right at the end of the church age. That's where we are right now. Okay. The next event that's going to happen is worldwide revival, followed by the rapture of the church. Amen. It's called his appearing. The Bible says he'll come like a thief in the night. How do you know a thief has come after he's left? Because the things that are missing, amen, the things that are going to be missing from planet Earth are millions and I believe billions of Christians who were taken up to planet heaven with Jesus. That'll get people's attention. They're going to try to explain it away, but it'll get people's attention, amen. So there's his appearing, which is as a thief in a night. And then there is after seven years of tribulation here on planet Earth, There is the second coming. Amen. And of that coming, Jesus says, every eye will behold me. Everyone will see. It'll be like lightning. There'll be no mistake in when I come because everyone will see. You see the difference there between the coming as a thief in the night and the coming as a bolt of lightning. Two different events broadly categorized as the coming of the Lord, starting with the rapture. And then we have the second coming and the occupation of planet Earth for 1,000 years. Amen. So cool. I'm a military guy, so I use those kind of terms. Hey, listen, Jesus used the same words. He said, occupy till I come. Amen. He didn't say go hide in a hole with some dried food and plenty of ammunition. He said, occupy, take some ground from the enemy and hold it. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, if you know people like that, that is not a picture of the victorious church. Just let them know that. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Glory to God. Enough said. Hallelujah. Living off the grid. Yep. Amen. They ain't finding me. When Antichrist takes over, they ain't finding me. I got enough food for 100 years. I got my own electricity. I got everything I need. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, the reason I picked this timeline, just so that you know, is because it is the most widely accepted timeline in the body of Christ today. That is a pre-tribulation rapture timeline. And what we mean by that is we believe the rapture first, then the tribulation. We are not appointed to wrath. Amen. We're going to be taken out of here. Every other type in the Bible, the righteous are taken out before judgment falls. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It'll be no different at the rapture. Glory to God. Okay, so it's the most widely accepted timeline 
in the body of Christ today. And also, it's the only one that I believe is fully supported by the scriptures. Amen. So for those two reasons, this is what we're going to go by. And listen, uh, we can agree to disagree on these things because it's not essential to your salvation. So don't worry if you if you're in a disagreement with me. I'm okay with that. Amen. I got good friends that believe that, you know, uh, that we're going through the tribulation, you know, because the church needs to be purged and cleansed and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, we just agree to disagree on it because I don't see it that way at all. If the blood of Jesus has not cleansed us, then we're not cleansed. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, concerning the rapture, so there's coming a time in the history of the church when all true born-again believers will be teleported to planet heaven, hallelujah, and the earth will be judged. The seven years of judgment will be a combination of judgment that's meted out by the Antichrist and his followers and his forces, but also judgment that's meted out by God himself. Amen. It is the bulk of the book of Revelation. I taught Revelation for seven years in our Bible school in Louisiana, so I'm very familiar with the book of Revelation. The first three chapters are about the uh, letters to the churches, essentially. And then right up to uh, chapter 19 is about what's going on on the earth or what's going on in heaven during the tribulation period. And then about chapter 19, you have the return of Jesus and the millennial reign and the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. So that's the essence there in a nutshell of the book of Revelation. By the way, don't be afraid to read the book of Revelation just because you don't understand it. Don't be like I was years ago where I would go from Genesis to Revelation and then bounce off and start over again. You know, go from Genesis to maps. Amen. It'll force you to go through Revelation. (laughs) Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So there'll be seven years of judgment while we'll be whining and dining with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. I want to show that to you in the scriptures. I want you to see in the Bible that the marriage supper of the Lamb precedes the second coming of the Lord. We're not coming back here to planet Earth until we have that big celebration with Jesus on planet heaven in the new Jerusalem. Amen. And it's going to be a big, glorious party that we're all going to partake of. And that's all the dead in Christ and all those that are alive. It is coming. They'll all be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, we're going to go to heaven for a celebration. Now, a lot of people teach, I can't wait till I go to heaven and I'll be with him for eternity in heaven. Minor correction, okay? You'll be in heaven for seven years of tribulation on earth, and during that time period, you will be whining and dining with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then after that, you'll be prepping for invasion. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like a good meal before a big fight. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, I want you to see in the Scripture that that marriage supper happens first, and then we come back to earth. So if you would follow with me in Revelation 19, verse 7 through 21, and we're going to read portions, and I'm going to commentate, and then we'll read more, and I'll just inject my thoughts as we go. 
Starting at verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant. And of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. So here the Apostle John, he's in heaven. He's seeing the vision that is the book of Revelation. And this angelic creature comes and says, I want to show you about this marriage supper of the Lamb that you're going to be partaking of in the future. So, again, after seven years of tribulation on earth and after the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven, Jesus, our leader, will lead an army of believers back through a space-time portal from planet heaven to planet earth, and we're going to invade this planet. Hallelujah. I get excited about that as a military man. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And here's where we mix science fiction imagery with science fantasy imagery. We're going to travel across the vast expanse of the universe through a space-time portal, but we're not going to do it in spaceships. We're going to do it on flying horses. Huh? (laughs) No, we're going to do it with superhuman bodies riding flying horses just like our leader, amen? Is that in the Bible, Brother Scott? Amen, it's in the Bible. Again, as I've said several times already, there's no science fiction or science fantasy novel or book or movie that can rival what's really going to happen in our fantastic future. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses. Now, I want to direct your attention to one thing. One of the reasons I wanted to touch on the marriage supper of the Lamb is because there's a phrase in there that refers to the saints. It says in verse 8, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Amen. Hallelujah. So read verse 14. It says, And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses so that positively identifies the armies that are following jesus as the redeemed saints amen washed by the blood of jesus clean white linen that speaks of righteousness and purity amen and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses i can't get past this i got to say this just think about this Somewhere in the stables of heaven, 
there's a white horse with your name on it. Glory to God. Now, whether he has wings or not, we do know he can fly. Amen. So to me, it would be cool to have wings. But if you got a flying horse, that's kind of cool in and of itself. Amen. Glory to God. Now, I don't know why the Lord is choosing to come back on a white horse with an army on white horses. But I kind of feel like it's the Lord's way of going medieval. Basically saying, listen, you're going to come against me with your modern army and your modern weapons, and I'm going to come against you with horses and swords, and we're going to win. Because the power of God cannot be overcome by the natural forces of man. Amen. That's my personal belief as to why he's doing it that way. Amen. Cool. Praise the Lord. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he would strike the nations. The, the King James says smite. Smite is a cool word. All right. He's going to smite the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Listen, people are not ready for the Jesus that's coming back to planet Earth. The first time he came as our suffering Messiah, as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. But now he's coming as a conquering king. Amen. Glory to God. I read somewhere that when a king would come to a city, if he came on a donkey, he came in peace. But if he came on a white horse, he came for war. Woo, glory to God. Woo. I felt the anointing on that. I can't even speak right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Talking about treading the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. Now, the metaphor is very simple. A winepress in those days was a depressed area in the ground where they would put the grapes and they would have people that would get down there with their feet and they would squish the grapes until all of the, the blood of the grapes would come out. Now, I guarantee you that Jesus is talking about red grapes here, not green ones. Because it is a type of the blood that will run when Jesus comes as the conquering king. In other words, he's coming when he's determined that everybody that can get saved has gotten saved. And now it's time for wrath. And he's going to pour out his wrath in a vengeful warrior type fashion. And I'm telling you, people are not ready for that kind of Jesus. I remember one of my Air Force buddies, uh, we were getting some training I can't remember the name of the base that we went there for a week of training and we got into a discussion and I told him about this Jesus who was coming back and he was going to slaughter the armies of the world. And he said, that's not my Jesus. I just can't see my Jesus like that. He's a, he's a man of peace. He's a man of love. I said, yes, he is, but he's got two sides. Right now, we're in the age of grace. Amen. Thank God for it. Thank God that we still live in the age of grace. But that grace will not last forever. There's coming a day of wrath. You know, uh, John, John, the one who baptized people. John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, listen, if you don't confess Jesus as Lord, the wrath of God already abides on you. Just automatically. Now, that wrath has been put off. 
But there is coming a day when the wrath of God will come down on those who have spurned the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus and rejected the answer to their sin problem. Wrath is coming one day on those people. I pray, Father God, oh, let your grace and mercy extend to billions and let these people be in the minority, I pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, because your wrath is not anything to be trifled with. I don't wish that for anyone, Lord. We pray in this great revival, Father God, that billions will come to Christ. Hallelujah. Even during the great tribulation, Lord, I pray that billions will come to Christ. And only those most hard-hearted folks praying that they'll be in the minority will be the ones that we crushed when Jesus comes back. That's my prayer, Lord. Hear my prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, there's a big debate as to whether that that thing on his thigh is a tattoo or not. The religious people get all upset when you talk about Jesus coming back with a tat on his thigh. Okay? Do you know what? It says... And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why didn't it say he has on two places on his robe that it says King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I believe on his robe it says it, and I believe on his thigh it says it. And that's what I believe. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I believe there's a tattoo that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And this guy that's coming back looks something like this. (laughs) Delayed reaction there. Amen. You don't want to meet this guy unless you know him. Amen. You don't want to see this side of Jesus. So repent now and accept him as Lord and Savior. Amen. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. You know, I had a vision of the Lord in April of 1985. And for years, I never shared one detail of this vision. Jesus appeared to me in a robe that was burnt orange. Everybody else I heard about who'd seen Jesus, he was in white with a golden sash. And so I felt my Jesus vision was inferior to theirs. And I never shared that aspect of it until the Lord said, did you know that that was a robe that was dipped in blood? The color of dried blood is burnt orange. I came to you that day because you needed a warrior. I was in the midst of an intense spiritual battle for years i had been plagued by demonic nightmares i didn't need jesus the lamb i needed jesus the warrior hallelujah and that's the way he came to me and he told me in no uncertain terms if you will shut the door on fear you can shut the door on the attacks of the enemy every time and because of that visitation i had in april of 1985 where he was wearing his warrior garments The back was broken over that thing in my life. I mean, those demonic nightmares came to a screeching halt because I was delivered. Now, I would like to tell you that it was because I was somebody special that Jesus came to me to deliver me personally. 
But I tell you what it was. I was young in the Lord. I didn't know the word and I did not know my authority. And he came to let me know that I had authority over fear. I had authority, authority over every devil that was tormenting me. And I needed to exercise that authority. And the last thing he said to me when we came out of that vision was, you may not always see me, but I am always there. Do not be afraid. That's what he said to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody out there needed to hear that this morning. Glory to God. All right. So, and the armies in heaven, going back to verse 14, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses as well. So what does that look like? Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, our leader, the bright light, the one in red, the rest of us in white. And I like those shields, those Christian shields with the cross on it. Amen. Hallelujah. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, it says again, and his name is called the Word of God, Revelation 19, 13. Now, praise the Lord. Verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Woo! That does not sound good. Armies of the world, you are about to be bird food. Pretty humiliating, don't you think? I heard recently through a prophecy teacher that I really respect that about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, they had a mass migration back to Israel of predatory birds, and they cannot explain it. They just came from all sides. They're getting ready for the great feast. Amen. Glory to God. And I saw the beast. That's the Antichrist. The kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now, I used to say this to the Bible students, and I'm going to say it to you. The king of the universe is coming back with his army to invade planet earth, and you choose to oppose him. That is the definition of dumb. Dumb and dumber-er. Amen. Hallelujah. They deserve what's coming to them if they really think they can oppose the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then the beast, again, that's the Antichrist. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the Antichrist and the false prophet, they get to be the first ones to go into the lake of fire. What an honor. Amen. <laughs> May I remind you that brimstone is burning sulfur. And sulfur burns when it's brimstone at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Now, what we're talking about here is a lake filled with burning molten uh, sulfur, burning at least 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit in the natural. Who knows what temperature it burns at in the spirit. But the closest equivalent would be like you going to the lava flow of a volcano and just jumping in and taking a bath. Forever and ever and ever and ever, you will be burning but never consumed. There'll be no end to the suffering. I can't even conceive of it. I shudder to think of it. This is why I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Not that the hell was scared out of me, but, you know, I saw that his grace was extended to me, and I had an alternative to the lake of fire, and I chose it. As the old sage would say, you chose wisely. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now you know the sword that came out of the mouth of this warrior is the two-sided sword, which is the Word of God. Amen? I try to imagine how that's going to look. It's not really a literal sword that he's wielding against these armies. It's the Word of God proceeding out of his mouth. And since he is the living Word of God, every word he speaks is the Word of God and will come to pass exactly the way that it was spoken by him. So I kind of imagine that he looks at the armies of the world and he says something like this, Die! And the flesh falls off their bones and they fall off their horses and their tanks out of their aircraft. What are they driving and flying? They fall out dead and the birds feed on their flesh. Scary thought. Again, I say, when the king of the universe invades the planet, and you choose to oppose him, definition of dumb. Don't do it. Hallelujah. And the warning to people now in the age of grace is, listen, repent now while it's easy. Amen. It's not going to be easy during the tribulation period. It's probably going to cost you your head to say yes to Jesus. So do it now. Now, I don't slight the people who have lost their head for the testimony of Jesus, but we're going to talk about them in a minute. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, we're just not coming back to earth to slaughter the armies of the Antichrist and just uh, make a big show of it. We're actually coming to take over the planet. You know, and there's going to be a thousand year reign of Christ. And the Bible says we're going to rule and reign with him. Let me show it to you in the Bible so you don't think Brother Scott's making stuff up. I want to talk about the alien occupation of earth and your part in it. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 6. This is in the New King James Version. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Amen. I just want to stop right there and comment on this. Listen, while we're going to be ruling and reigning on planet Earth for a thousand years, the devil's going to be locked up in a place called the bottomless pit. 
He is not going to be able to deceive anybody for a thousand years. Amen. Isn't that cool? Think about it. There are three enemies of human beings on planet Earth today. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. And they have wreaked havoc on planet Earth for thousands of years. This world system is opposed to everything that's righteous and godly. Isn't that right? Your flesh wants to do everything it wants to do, and it doesn't care. Right? Amen? And then the devil is there taking advantage of this worldly environment and the weakness of your flesh, and he's whispering, or his minions, dare I use that word these days? His minions are whispering in your ear that you should do evil things. Okay? So imagine a world ruled by Christians, ruled by Jesus in the capital city of Jerusalem for 1,000 years where the world's influence is gone because Jesus is the ruler of the world. The devil is gone and can't deceive anybody. So the only thing that normal human beings that survive the tribulation and flow into that millennial reign, the only thing that you're going to have to deal with if you're one of them is your flesh. How much easier would it be to overcome the flesh without the influence of the world and the devil? Amen. I mean, godliness is going to be everywhere. The Bible says that, that the glory of the Lord will cover the, the earth like the waters cover the sea. I mean, God's glory is going to be everywhere. Getting people saved is going to be extra easy. You know, we're going to be already in immortal, indestructible bodies, a special class of being. And we're going to be ruling and reigning over the natural human beings that float out of the tribulation into the millennium and are populating and populating and populating planet Earth for a thousand years. There's going to be a lot of people that need to get saved. Amen. But it'd be so cool. Hey, listen, Jesus paid the price for you. Oh, there he is right there. Jesus just walking by. That's the one who died for you. Why don't you go ahead and accept him right now? Amen. It's going to be a glorious time. But I get ahead of myself. I need to keep reading. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Amen. All the righteous dead and all of those that are alive at the time of Jesus coming at the rapture, all of us are going to be raised up in new bodies and we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Amen. Verse five. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Everybody else who was dead and not in Christ they're going to be waiting for the great white throne judgment at the end of the thousand-year reign. That's another place you don't want to be. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 6, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. That's us, amen. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Amen. Now, there are people out there that do not believe in the millennium. I don't know how you read the book of Revelation and get around that. There are people called preterists, preterists, not sure how to pronounce it, but they believe 
that all of the prophecies of the Bible, including the book of Revelation, were fulfilled by the end of the second century A.D. I think that's poppycock. That's a real word. Boulder dash. As the British would say, rubbish. It's just not true. God promised David that his descendant would rule and reign on his throne in Jerusalem. And that's going to be Jesus Christ, the righteous, because God will be true to his word. Amen. There's going to be a literal kingdom right here on planet Earth, and it's going to be way cool. And one of the things I'm looking forward to is all the whining will stop. You know, I know this sounds kind of militant, but we're going to be in charge. Shut up in color. That's a phrase we used in the military to to do what you're told. Anybody else out there ever heard that? I'm sorry, but the military man in me is looking forward to those days. I'm sorry. I I have fun with this. I'm having fun with this. (laughs) Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I think I painted enough pictures in your minds to last you for a week. So let's wrap it up there for now. And next week, we'll get into what life will be like in the millennial reign of Christ. And it's going to be glorious. And what we can do to prepare ourselves for that time. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part four of today's message titled, Alien Invasion. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at GoFaithLife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.